Welcome back to A Billion Bad Ideas. You guys, today I want to talk to you both about the projects that you're working on right now. We've talked a lot about inspiration and where ideas come from. Uh, we did talk about our biggest influences, though I did completely screw up that audio, so we'll have to redo that one. But we've talked a lot about like process, and now I want to know where that process has led you both currently. Uh, so what are you working on right now? What are you excited about right now? What are the projects that are you know keeping you going? And uh, I think I Luna, let's start with you. What are you what's what are you working on right now? My current project is due on Saturday. So I am hard at work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hard at work on the illustrations for the second book in a collection that I started last year with Nicole Walters, this dear friend and excellent author. Um, it's a picture book series for children called Aisha and the Ancestors, and it celebrates black history, black spirituality, and black ancestry, pretty much as it relates to the American experience for children, but it pulls in a lot of influences from uh, African imagery and all sorts of um, through the generations. We were just working on it about an hour ago, and I had really good words for all this. <laughs> they've, they've gone away. <laughs> so, it's probably better that you use them with Nicole. That's than, true. They'll yeah. translate into the book better than, you know, to this. Anyways, so the series is about this little girl named Aisha who um, has experiences. In the first book, she was um, celebrating her great-grandmother's birthday, and her great-grandmother appeared at the birthday party, and led you through everything these are these are books for um children up to about the age of eight so they're the stories are very straightforward but the subtext is really that um your ancestors are with you at all times and so in the in the first book the great-grandmother was in the images but it turns out that she had passed away and so the little girl felt her presence it's a very deep idea for a picture book so we portray it very differently through the words than we do through the illustrations and together they mesh and make one story so we're hard at work and by we i mean i am nicole's done all the stuff she's supposed to do <laughs> now i am finishing the drawings and then i'm going to do the coloring and the illustration and the layout for our second title which is called a juneteenth celebration and we timed it this time of year so that it would be ready for Juneteenth and here we are about a month away <laughs> and I'm scrambling but I seem to work best on the edge like I do my best work when it's due an hour from now so it's coming along swimmingly if a little behind schedule can I ask I want to I'm so curious about your work on this because the illustrations are you know as as usual they're gorgeous but I'm Thank curious, um, it's such a heavy subject matter for children, mm -hmm. I think, to the idea of creating that for children, there must be a lot of kind of pressure there and kind of a weight that you don't normally have if you're illustrating like a children's book. Um, and plus the fact that, to be quite blunt, you are a white person um, working on this, right? So do you, how mm -hmm. do you, what is your, it, does it feel particularly weighty to you does it feel very different is there like more pressure is it more um i i don't know what does it feel like to you working on this project this series of projects versus kind of working on your own children's kind of traditional children's storybooks it was a very big deal to us in the beginning that we get it right because we i i do take very seriously that i'm illustrating a black family 
and black activities. And we, we wanted that to be baked in as a form of allyship and a form of um, this is the bridge we need to build socially to illustrate, quote unquote, to literally illustrate experiences that black children and black families have that have not really been explored before in literature, on television, in cartoons, and anything. So so the idea of, of a white person illustrating a black family, I am very careful to make sure that Nicole is involved in the illustrations as they come along so that she has the ultimate say in does this work or does this not work? I do my research if I'm putting figures from another era in or if I'm doing something... Um, further back in ancestry, like going back to Africa and doing tribal things. We talk a lot about spirituality in a way that children can understand. She has contacts that she reaches out to to make sure that we have those pieces in place too. We do feel this huge weight to get this right, but also to not make it heavy. We want joy to be the key element in any of these books, even the sad ones, the idea that this little girl's grandmother has passed away, opens the door for families to talk with their children about grief without grief having to be some sort of taboo, something that's considered too sophisticated or too dark to talk with children about. Children are going to feel it. So why not give them some sort of guide to follow or something you know, to reference? So we don't like to shy away from the heavy topics, but our aim with this is in every image and at every step to bring happiness and joy and color colorful um illustrations for this in the new in the new book we have some um references to uh the origins of juneteenth some spiritual and religious um practices that happen um at uh, a juneteenth celebration and then the big spiritual element with the ancestors is when music starts to play they're sort of called from the other side and they join the celebration um Every time the ancestors show up, color just kind of bursts off the page, and that's intentional. We want the idea of the ancestors coming forward, not just to represent the tragedy of the black experience in America and all over the world, but we want it to represent this is the DNA of humans at this moment, and who you are now celebrating your life celebrates everybody who came before you. And in that sense, too, the heaviness of the ancestors being there really becomes every time they show up, it's for a celebration, really. Um, in the first book, they came for a party. The second one, they're coming for a Juneteenth celebration. In the third one, we're talking about jazz. They show up every time music is played. So it's really sort of a, a reminder that they're there. And this is not it's it's focused on the black family, but really the hope is that it will get other families of all cultures speaking about ancestry and the people who came before them in in a way that illustrates, hey, if your grandmother has gone before you, um, you still understand that your grandmother's influence lives on in you, even if she's not with you. Um, so it sounds very heavy from the way I've described it, but when you see the illustrations and how the story works together, we make sure that there's light in it throughout. Otherwise, it um, it does sort of violate the idea of a kid's book being a particular thing. Um, and I know we talked about heavier kid's books in the episode that nobody's going to hear. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do it again, though. We're going to redo it, and I'm going to okay. do it better this time. Okay. 
So yeah, so that's that's what we're trying to escape is um, the sort of we want we wanted to um, stimulate conversation and inspire people to celebrate what's special about their families and their ancestors um, by putting joy on every page and making it a celebration of of your family. I have to say, I, I thinking about your use of color in these books, like the first book has this gorgeous spread where there's kind of a line of of Aisha's ancestors, right? Kind of their of their spirits stretching back to um, I don't know, you know, I don't know how how many <clears throat> centuries ago, but it's such a gorgeous spread, and everyone is kind of exuding their own colors, like you said, and they're even the colors that kind of emanate from each character, they're variegated and they're they're really it's really a beautiful spread. Thank you. Um, and there is a lot of color and light. So I'm really excited about it. I, I'm thinking now as I have a, you know, a two-year-old, I've just recently started thinking like, how do I start to explain death to this child? Because she's already sort of kind of accidentally stumbled upon the topic a couple times. And, you know, she's still young enough where you can be like, look over there instead. Look at that thing. That's different, right? Let's talk about that. Here's Paw Patrol. Um, that's not going yeah, <laughs> to last very long. And I've been thinking um, that... Aisha and the Ancestors is really, it's actually a very nice entry point um, for, for Maple too, because um, I think Nicole, you know, the author has done such a wonderful job of really just making it joyful and easy, you know, and understandable and relatable in, in a way that kind of transcends all the, all the challenges that um, we normally tie to, to the idea of death and, and, and ancestry. We so. worked we worked very hard to get that to come through. I'm glad it comes through because really what the idea of it is is that this this little character is um, unaware at the beginning of that story. She's really just celebrating the, the birthday of her great-grandmother and when it's realized that the great-grandmother isn't actually there it's sort of an awakening point for the child. She's I think she's supposed to be six years old. Um, so it's really this awakening point. It's it's reflected in both the story and the illustrations, and then the father explains to her what has happened. So you actually see the character go through that transition of, wait a minute, something's not right here, and then the explanation of why, even though that is true, it's not the only thing that's true about what happened you know, to, to this character. And so we, we played with that a lot visually and, and verbally to make sure that it came through as... Um, you are seeing through the eyes of the child. So if you're the parent reading it, you have the opportunity to sort of help the child reflect on what's happening to the child in the book and say what's happening here so that they understand from a, f- a figure that is sort of like an avatar for them. Instead of just kind of putting it on the page, they actually have somebody to tap into and say, oh, I get it. This happened to her. Now parents can talk about the child, talk with their children about um you know, does that sound familiar to you? Has anything happened? Um, we wanted it to be that way. And actually, we had a, a marketing um, person come in and recommend that we put questions in the back of the book because it was such a you know particular topic, um, which we hadn't thought of before. But the idea of how do you start a conversation like that, even if you've read this book to your child? And again, we started this in the middle of the pandemic. So there was a lot of sudden death for a lot of people around and the response that came back was um, it was needed by the people who were finding it because they had no way of speaking to their children when grandma was here last week and then she got this disease and within a week, you know, she was gone. So it all kind of synced up in this really fortuitous way of 
giving us something to work on that would be helpful to people in a way that actually helps people. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, a, it was, um, it was a, a very synchronicity, synchronous, whatever the right word is for that. I don't have that at the moment, but it was, it was really one of it those things. It went great. It went great. That's right. It went yeah. great. So, yeah. So, so the series continues and this book is due on Saturday and I have promised myself and promised Nicole that, um, I'm going to do my best to have it finished in the next five days, which should be happening because I've committed to it and I'm going to work as much as I need to, to get it, to get it up and, and running. And then how um, many illustrations do you have left to do? Um, like how, how many illustrations for the, the book, uh, total? There are 34 illustrations total. There are currently eight that have rough sketches that still need final sketches. The rest are all drawn. And then everything will need color, but I have these special hacks that help me kind of put the color in a little quicker than um, if I were working on my own thing and I kind of had all the time in the world to just kind of sit there and, and play. Um, I use kind of a predetermined palette and I, I um, working digitally helps you do it a lot quicker. So the idea that there's only five days left in digital terms means it's possible. Um, if I were doing this by hand and painting things, <laughs> we would be talking about a couple of months left for eight, eight illustrations to be drawn and then the rest of them would be colored. Um, so every time we've done this, which is two times, I've said, no, spread this out, do a little here, do a little there. You know, if it takes a couple months, that's cool, but at least you're doing a little bit at a time. For some reason, the inspiration of it really only hits after the story is finished. And by then we're kind of rolling with momentum. So it's always, it's always kind of like, a, yeah, I'm going to just, this is going to be my process. I'm going to be working, you know, in the latter weeks of the, before the, the deadline for the launch. And, um, all of the inspiration that I need actually comes at those moments. If I give it too much time, I could be thinking about one illustration for weeks and weeks and weeks and just belabor it. This way, it's sort of like, nope, it's coming the way it needs to come. And um, you have to make decisions. Exactly. Exactly. All, yeah. all the clutter is cleared away in my head. And it really is just, nope, you, you know what you need to do. Just kind of do it. So um, I'm sure it's been sounds, baking in there, too. The images have been right. Sitting and, in the back and of your the head. Fact and, that we're, Exactly. The fact that we're illustrating the same family, the family members, the core family members are the same. Um, so they're yeah, so it's like familiar. copy paste, right? With those with those illustrations, you just drag and drop, and they're there. Um, yeah, that's it. I just kind of you know, <laughs> cut them out of the newspaper and paste them on the page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, they're they're. It is almost like drawing a comic strip because it's the same. The figures in in most of the illustrations are the same again and again. So they become so familiar now that I don't really have to look up to see. Gosh, what is their hair shape like? I'm like, oh, you know this. Just draw it and uh, and kind of get it done. So. Um, don't try that at home, kids. <laughs> if you have an assignment that's due on a particular day, give yourself time. But my process seems to um, push me in the other direction. So, well, I love this because I I'm glad that it's your uh, the project that you brought to to talk about today that you are working on. It's the only uh, project I'm working. I know. I was gonna say uh, <laughs> you didn't bring it. It's the thing you're <laughs> so doing. And I'm. It's not. It's it's a good example though because one of the things about both of you that I. I don't understand at all, and it has always impressed me about you both, is that you are both, you know, phenomenal writers and also really talented, phenomenal 
illustrators. Um, you do, you know, and, and like I, I'm so I, I'm so envious that I just hate it uh, because I <laughs> I I can draw a really bad stick figure, and that's the limits of of, of my abilities. So Ben, you do a lot of illustration as well. Um, so and I know you've got, I think. At last count, ninety-eight projects you're working on right now. I think that sounds about right. Yeah, it's. So what are you? What are you working on? You're working on a mix of uh, of writing and and illustration. I think it is, and it's funny you mentioned the the illustration because it, it. I've always doodled and I've always drawn stuff to post just, just for fun, but um, we started doing conventions um, last year. I guess last August, September, we started going to conventions and they started coming back around. And we noticed pretty much right away that people either they're readers or they're not. They glance at the table. If they see a book, they'll, if they're readers, they'll stop. Otherwise they just move on. They don't even, it doesn't even like register what book it is or what genre it is. It's like, nope, written word, not for me. And they move on. So, um, we decided to add something to the, to our table at the conventions just to get people to kind of stop and get them, you know, get them talking to us a little bit. So we, we came up with this, um, this idea that's uh, twisted spirit animals. Like the idea is we can't all be tigers. Some of us are more like a kitten with a prison shank, which is frighteningly enough the most popular one we do. Um, just ahead of Raven with an arson kit. That's big with the teens. But um, we, we threw these up on the table just to kind of get people to stop by and chat with us. And it quickly um, got out of hand. And now we do two tables when we go to the conventions. But what's been... What, what we've found that's been really great is that the stickers help sell the books and the books help sell the, sell the stickers. It's just so much easier to see these silly little stickers of a, um, well, I don't know what we've got. Like a, I'm working on a stoic goat this week, but um, a beaver with an ax to grind. And people see that, they get a chuckle out of it. They know somebody that's like that or whatever. And they it's it's an instant communication of the, the kind of sense of humor or whatever. So once they find out that, oh, he drew these stickers, he also wrote these books, they're like, well, if that's that's a sense of humor. I'll check out the books. And we've seen one really feed into the other. The problem is now I've got to draw animals and write books and <laughs> draw all sorts of stuff. You've got time though, right? All the time in the world. Yeah. So, um, but you know, as Luna has mentioned before, and I think we've talked about in the past too, it's, it, the drawing does serve as a nice creative break from writing occasionally, but it's also, um, that whole situation is throwing up other creative problems. Like I'm working on new stories. I'm working on new books, but the most immediate thing right now is we have, uh, we're doing fan expo in Dallas in June. We're doing comic Palooza in Houston a couple weeks after. Um, I think it's a couple weeks after we just found out we're doing bell County in, um, down by, uh, just South of Waco, which sounds like a, a fun little remote, but very busy one. But each one of these things has given us a different space. Like we've got, regular kind of artist alley tables at uh fan expo we've got a like a 10 by 10 corner or no 10 by 10 um inline booth and in houston and then the kind of a corner thing at uh bell county so in each one we have to kind of figure out how we're going to sell two different ideas two different brands two different things so um the most immediate creative yeah, I problem know we about have. the logistics of that like what is it what does it mean for you guys to try to kind of wrap your brains around how to attract really in you know at least initially like two different audiences it is it, in that it's it's easier to think about it if you have two tables and you're talking about one thing at a time it's when you're in kind of a confined space where you have to kind of talk about both things it was kind of funny the first time we did it we had a corner space at uh just a local thing we we're just trying to see how the people would react to this and people would walk up and they'd they'd see the 
see the books and I'd talk to them about the books and then they'd be like, Oh, thanks for talking. And they'd, they'd walk around the corner and then it's just me again. Because now I got stickers. Like, you know, they couldn't get away from me kind of thing. So <laughs> that was kind of somebody like a different hat for who, depending on which audience I'm talking to. But, sure. Um, throw on like a, a little vest when you're uh, the illustrator and throw it off when you're not. Yeah, pretty much. It's like just a cape or something for one point. But, uh, it, it, it depends, too, on what kind of event we're at. Like, the Comic-Cons, the, um, they kind of both draw their own little crowd. And uh, they just kind of move down the table from the stickers to the books. But we did kind of an arts and wine festival around here, and the stickers were the bigger draw. Um, but it, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it is it is a logistical nightmare. And we've kind of gotten ourselves into a weird situation, too. The whole thing with Twisted Spirit Animals is we want people to find their own. So when we walk up, we have a table full of these designs and right now there's 20 and we are kind of limited by the space on a table. We have all the different designs. We want people to come up and find, are they the bunny with a bazooka? Are they the uh, prairie dog with a hand grenade? And then there's stickers and buttons and everything associated with these. So now we're trying to move into a more vertical display to kind of clear up more room on the table. And we've ordered like these um, wire crates that are kind of modular that, uh, I imagine it looks like we're gonna be playing with like Lego all weekend. It'll be fun, but that's it, it's it's weird that like <laughs> writing the books. I used to say like that's the easy part. There's so many other parts about marketing, and like we're also um, we're trying to move into like uh, we've opened up a Shopify site for kind of both products, and now you're trying to talk about and that's that messaging too, right? How do you talk about the books and the stickers in one place? We've wrapped everything in our brand of make fun. That's all we're trying to do. We're just trying to make fun things, put things out in the world. I have a tendency to make fun of things. So it wraps it all up. But um, yeah, it's, that's, that's, it is tough though. I mean, like people who want books aren't, you know, if they come to your website looking for books, seeing stickers might be like, Oh, what is, what is this? I don't, this is confusing to me. Right. Or in vice versa. Like it's not a, they aren't things that necessarily go together particularly smoothly. Nope, not um, a, not smoothly at all. There's a little overlap. There is a little overlap, and I've got you know some fantastic fans and readers that have uh, um, gone on to order the stickers and stuff like that. But like I say, what's really interesting is this the visual approach to getting people to. Yeah, we've I think we've all struggled for the past however many years writing books to you know discoverability and how do you how do you pitch the book and. I will say that one thing about the conventions is it has helped me to like really boil down the pitch of each of each book. And now I'm trying to figure out how to kind of convert that into an online message that um, sells as well on Facebook or wherever as it does at the convention space. Um, but it's been um, it's not it's th- those have been really interesting because it's not 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 my nature. I'm not very extroverted. Um, but, you know, you're kind of forced to be and you're forced to. You need to engage with people. You need to smile and talk to everybody and be nice to everybody. Again, very strange things to me, but um, we're getting used to it. And we're getting you hate the, people. Get, I don't like people much. Not it, <laughs> a person. A person's fine. A person's fine. People are the multiple problem. persons, though. You know. <clears throat> yeah, multiple persons, and they gather in groups like hordes. I don't like it. But um, it's been really good for for figuring out how to kind of pitch the work. And now we're doing it with the uh, – we found that um, visually it's just, you know, to, don't judge a book by its cover. It's the only thing you got. It's um, – <laughs> you've got yeah. to learn the visual side of things in order to, to sell the written word as, as much as anything. So, yeah, easy to not so judge a book by the cover the... if you've read the book, <clears throat> which you're not going to do if the cover <laughs> isn't good. 
I'm not touching. I'm not going to crack it open if I'm not going to pick it up. But it has to. It has to be so quick and so. It's so funny too. Like especially you, need, you guys know this as well. Like selling humor is just that much more difficult. I think. Yeah, for um, sure. I had one lady just scold me at the con- convention the other day because I've got the post-apocalyptic comedies. There is nothing funny about the post-apocalypse. Like, oh, we haven't <laughs> seen it yet. You don't know that. Well, she hasn't read your you books. Know. She doesn't know. I know. I, well, it seems like a pretty ill-informed opinion. Like you seem pretty pretty ignorant and. You, you seem to know it. It's amazing. Um, what is it that but, drives yeah, the person so, to say like, this is going to be terrible. Do not make fun of it. It's going to be so bad when it happens very soon in my lifetime. I'm pre uh, angry about it. I don't think she's going to make it through. She wasn't, uh, <laughs> she didn't look the healthiest and she was a little older. So, um, no, she didn't think there was anything amusing about it at all. And just smiled and okay, come check out our violent animals. You know, and she bought a sticker. So nice. um it's weird. And we've been trying different not even just Comic Cons and stuff like that to see where this stuff goes over. So it has been a different audience every time. And um one was a craft beer arts and wine festival, which was amazing because uh the later the day went on, the funnier the people came up were. And this one lady Great. came up and one of our lines is like uh we can't all be tigers. And she's like, what the fuck does that mean? We can't be tigers. She was just so <laughs> mad at me. I was like, um, well, you can be a tiger. How I guess. dare you? How dare you say I can't be a tiger? She'd had a few, <laughs> but she was so offended. I was like, move on. But, uh, but other than that, uh, the most immediate projects I'm working on, um, written wise, uh, I'm working on dads versus zombies, uh, the quick and the, uh, not quite dead is the title of the new short nice. story. And I've been working on that for a while. So my goal is to finish that very soon and have that out in a, um, ebook form. And then I want to finish up two more stories and I've got an arc for it that, uh, follow that series. And I'm going to collect them all in, um, uh, uh, book length dads versus zombies year two. And this is following, um, if you've read dads versus zombies, this all happens a year after it started with, um, Night of the Grubby Urchin is a short story. Day of the Really, Really Dead. This is the quick and the not quite dead. And there'll be two more stories to follow. And then I'll I'll bind it all up, put it out as a book, and uh, get Phil to narrate it again as well. Nice. And then in addition to that, the other thing I'm working on is outlining the new Duck and Cover books and um, working on Seedborn, of course, as well. The short yeah. stories for Seedborn. That's something I'm really looking forward to finally getting down on paper. So. Yeah. What about you, Clayton? Well, it feels what like you a lot, on? Ben. I, I, I'm, I feel a little inadequate now. <laughs> Get adequate. I What I'm working on now is, I, it, to be totally honest, like it's been nothing, and it's been really frustrating for me that it has been nothing. Um, when I work on things that I should be working on, which, you know, I need to, I, I don't know. You will both know, like, I my life has been sort of topsy-turvy a little bit. Not really, but, like, when you have two very small children, it gets hard to put aside time for writing, but it's not a really good excuse. Like, I could, I could still do it, and I should do it, and I have not been good about doing it. So this is this conversation actually is uh, is being very inspirational for me to, to actually take more time and set things apart. When I do set aside time to write... Um, the big thing I am working on is, uh, the, the third book in my Apocalypticon series, which is called Broken World. It's going very slowly. Um, and it's, it's, it, it hit, it hit some road, some, some bumps in the road. Um, I was, I, I, and I, it's, I've written like 60,000 words, which is a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of words, 
but it wasn't I'd feeling done. right. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's I know. The end of my book. And I yeah. should. I yeah. <laughs> just, I'm so bad at writing. <laughs> just keep going. Um, and so I, I sent it to Luna uh, a couple months ago now, and I said, like, look, like I, this isn't doesn't feel doesn't feel like it's hitting all the things. And so, you know, would you read it? And 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 well, actually, I think Luna offered to read it, um, which is so nice. And he did, and gave some no, really. It really is. It, it really is. <laughs> um, it's a lot of nonsensical words to read for you know no payoff. Um, and so he did. And basically confirmed what I had been fearing, which was that it's it's not it's not right. Um, and so Luna gave some really good feedback, and I it's not going to take like a whole lot of work to fix it, but it's enough work that it totally shifts what what I've been doing. I don't really know how to explain this to people who aren't who don't live inside of my head, but it, it, it what I'm working on now is like trying to figure out how to take the first, I don't know, third or maybe even full half of the book and kind of cutting it out, rearranging it, maybe putting some of it back in the back end, but like carrying on with the first draft as if I had done a better job with the first third and now like making it make sense. So it's, it's so stupid. Anyway, you want to, so what you're just going to kind of start writing from this point Yes. As if you'd already made those edits. Exactly. I made a note actually in my Word document that said, here are the things that have, that need to have happened by this point. It's this, this, and this. Assuming that we're moving on from here. Um, That's good. It is good. It's going to be a lot of work, like, but it's going to be a better book for it. Well, but that, that's a great way to keep the momentum. Right, like because that's where that's where. Except I don't seem to be keeping any momentum. (laughs) Um, So, but I well, I mean, that would be my recommendation to do that instead of going back and making the fixes. Yes, and that was Luna's recommendation also, which is proving to be the better path for sure. So it's really now on me to just keep going, and I have been. I'm you know I'm pecking away at it slowly, so that's good. So I'm working on uh, on that. mentally i think we've talked in this podcast before about like our mental processes you know and how my process tends to be like when i'm falling asleep at night i'll think about storylines and things um i've reached a point where with broken world this book i'm you know third apocalyptic book i know the next several chapters so it doesn't doesn't do me any favors to think about that while i'm falling asleep at night and so what i've what i seem to be doing is thinking about other books while i'm falling asleep Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, and it's it's <laughs> playing the most dangerous game because I'm trying really hard now. Like as I'm falling asleep, I'm thinking about the next Nakua book or the you know the next um, original novel I want to write, which I'm really excited about. I but I can't I can't start it right. I have like two play ideas. One of them Luna and I have talked about working on together, um, and one of them is just kind of a thing I'm thinking about writing for myself. Like I think about those at night while I'm falling asleep. So now the the struggle that I'm in is that I need to finish Broken World. I have to. And it's going to take, you know, some time to do that. And so I need to focus on that. But mentally speaking, I'm caught up on that. And so my brain is going in, you know, four, five, six other directions at the same time. And I'm... I'm I'm struggling to kind of rein that in a little bit and work on... um, work on Broken World, which needs to get done. So... What am I working on right now? Broken World is the answer. I haven't been working on it a lot lately, but um, I, you know, slowly. Um, but also the other and the other thing that is is I think really 
pressing for me that I, I am very interested in and I'm loving working on it is the Seedborne stuff, Ben, that we've, you know, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, we will have uh, released uh, information about that so people are caught up. Um, mm-hmm. I did write a few short stories for our first collection on that project, <clears throat> and I am working on uh, a new one, which, uh, again, I'm kind of like pecking away at. I need to really buckle down and do it better, but it's such a fun project to work on in such a fun world that um, I need to set aside time for, for those things. So. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's like I'm looking forward to getting into it, and it's but it, it feels – you described it really well. It's like there's there's so much I want to work on. There's so much I should be working on because I've got so many series going at this point. I mean, you got to get that next – you, you got to get that project out of the way. The one that's just, yeah. My yeah. mind's I mean, the, the, like the dad story. You know, I, my excuses are, I, I, you know, they're not particularly good or unique. Like we have two young kids, like we're, you know, maybe moving soon where, uh, you know, we have a job, like, but that's everyone's life really. So it's not like it's unique to us. I just need to set aside time, but that is, I think the bigger thing is like when I do set aside time, I want to do the next Nakua book. I want to do the next Mabel Gray book. I want to do the next Anomaly Flats book. And those are the things that I'm thinking of as I lie, you know, trying to sleep at night. Like I have so many fun storyline ideas for all those other books. I'm working so hard to not start on those and working so hard to, to, to finish the other things. Um, that's been really, it's been really challenging, but I'm, I'm looking forward to summer. I'm a teacher. So my summer is, is lighter than, uh, than, than, uh, you know, the rest of my year. So I'm, I'm, uh, even though we have some big life changes going on, my goal is, and I don't know if I'm going to hit it. My goal is to finish a real full second draft, like finish first draft, integrate Luna's recommendations for the, the changes and finish like a real draft of broken world by, August 15th. I don't know if I'm going to hit it, but I am. That's my goal. What was the date? Uh, <laughs> I don't, I feel like I don't want to say it again because it like, really locks me in. But it <laughs> oh, was, I heard uh, it. It August, was August 15th. I wrote it thanks, down. Thanks, man. I'm so glad you're here. Thank reminders. you. Good, yeah, good no, to have you on the uh, podcast as always. Well, there's, there's something <laughs> I, I wonder too, because it's the same way. Like I've been working on the same project for a while. I, you know, I think my last book came out last November and I feel terrible that I haven't had one and that's, you know, it hasn't been a year, which is, I mean, indie publishing, it feels like you've got to be faster. But even when I first started, it was, you know, the books were coming faster. Um, but, you know, things change over the years and other things demand your attention. But what, so I don't know if anybody in this group's a good person to ask of how do we find ourselves accountable? Like, Luna, I think you've got the best shot because you're you're working for somebody else and you've got a deadline Sunday. Right, like that's it's, true. There's external you know, pressure for me to to keep on my on my schedule. Yeah, there's the but, external pressure is yeah. a little helpful. But what do you what do you guys do to back when we were finishing the books? How are we staying on top of things? How are we meeting deadlines? Or how are we? It feels like it used to be easier to finish something in the past than it is right now. I don't know that it was easier. I think it was more um, there was more energy in it because. I, I think we all talked about this. We all thought that the next thing that we did was going to be the big breakthrough. And I think we saw enough times that the stuff that we want to create next isn't necessarily the next one that needs to go out the door. No, so it's book six. I've it's said book that, three. It's book four. <laughs> I've said that I'm going to write a fourth book in, in my popular series now for f- six years. 
and I've started it and I've done all that. But if another project took me away from that, it never, it never came back. In the beginning, it felt like the world needs to have this next thing. The world needs to have this from me. I think after a certain amount of time, you settle into the idea that you can, you can determine your timetable. You can say, you know what? If they're waiting for it, they'll be excited when they get it. If nobody's waiting for it, then it's okay for me to experiment with these other things. I think that's kind of the blessing and the curse of being an independent creator. You can try all kinds of things, but you can't guarantee that the audience is going to move with you through all of that stuff. So you have mm -hmm. to kind of sacrifice. Yeah. All right, I want to experiment. And um, if it takes me away from my core you know, focus, then I have to allow that my core focus is going to spread out, that the, the timeline is kind of going to spread. I've gone <laughs> to the really far extreme of that in this kind of entropy of I've lost the concern <laughs> whether or not I write a full-length novel again because I get so much satisfaction out of creating visual things and the quickness. We've talked about, Ben, the quickness of creating something visual and how you feel like, ah, yeah. that took me 20 minutes. I feel satisfied. I don't have to create you know, it's this yeah. other thing. It's kind of a... I don't want to call it a laziness. It's just this redirection of your energy that when you do look back at these other things, and when I look at my list of things I wanted to write, they're all exciting. Again, when I look at them, when I think of how much time it would take to do those, I say, oh, I'll go draw a picture. <laughs> and That's, I, yeah. yeah. So That's it's the really, double-edged sword be, of the illustration, so you're a bunch of and that, that makes sense. I, I get that. I think what yeah. we're saying is our our amazing talent lets us do no. More I think it's more thing. like a quitting thing. I like think a, you like a sellout it as style. I'll tell thing. you the way you <laughs> described it as like close to a deity <laughs> with our creativity <laughs> that you don't seem to have. Um, except I've become people, so. really jealous of myself lately, which is terrible to say but it's like um, i can't well, imagine it, you talk thing. no it's you talk about the you talk about the immediate gratification of drawing something right like you're, you're done in a you can you yeah. can create a piece in a couple of hours yeah. or three to six months to write a book yeah. and i sell the stickers for the same price i sell a book right so it's like the <laughs> what's the <a> opportunity <laughs> cost is obviously you know much lower um right. you can i can i can sit here and write draw some stickers and um get them out there and you know you, it's just the time invested it's not like if no one buys the book that's three months down the drain if no one buys a sticker it's okay it was just wednesday morning or wednesday afternoon mm -hmm. um, and i think that in that same but, vein when you see what you create visually it stimulates you to create more visually and you know how quickly that's going to go it lights up all of the centers of your brain when you oh, see how cool it is yeah. oh so yeah to know, i love oh, that you guys look for the easy for way out hours. i think that's great well, I, well that's you. what's frustrating me is like, but i see <laughs> myself there was the way i describe it was um so when spinal tap came back in the 90s and toured right it was it was um christopher guest and um well, I'm mixing their names up, uh, Mike McKeon and, um, and Harry Shearer. Shearer, they were Spinal Tap, but they had also formed a band on Saturday Night Live called The Folksman back in the 80s when they were on Saturday Night Live. So when they came back and toured as Spinal Tap, The Folksman opened for Spinal Tap. And they were saying, <laughs> you cannot believe how synergy. many times, well, they said, you cannot believe how many times we got booed off stage so people could see us faster. <laughs> like people hated the folksmen and they wanted spinal tap and it was the same thing and it's like it's like, i go to these conventions and i go to these things and i have the stickers right next to the books and people love the stickers they're not paying attention to the books or whatever and i'm like Damn, like i'm kind of it, they um 
the art's just easier to sell because here you show mm. it to them and they get it you know they get it and they like it they get it and they don't but whatever it's not you don't have to explain anything they don't have to read the back of the book here read mm. read a few pages inside and let me tell you what happens across the the breadth of the the, the five six book series um so it's like i'm almost a little like a, a little jealous it's like ah, the, the art's just that much easier to communicate yeah. quickly and to sell fast and Thank it's like and so it's my own damn fault but um at that point it's also very tempting to really put a lot of energy into that instead of writing the book so it is taking a bit to say yeah. okay i got to sit down and write draw a little write a little draw well, that little. makes it hard though um, right because it's not like we don't and i i speaking for myself but i assume for all of us like when we write it's not because we think we're going to make money it's because there is a yes need is. to oh, need luna, to luna's not um, part of this conversation I mean, oh, you yes it is. no i mean that's not the goal <laughs> but this like, is what i do write a story right? right like there's a story in your mind you want to get it out there you want to write it you want to share it with the world am i i can't be the only person on this maybe, zoom who thinks that <laughs> is that right you. <laughs> no again no, like, my is, whole thing is making fun and sharing fun things and i just want to make people give people a smile but at the same time i do need to feed the family and that's primarily sure. where my income comes from so and i think that's why i don't have to worry about that because the books for me never became the main source of income so it sort of is okay i'll go try these other things and i think ben with you saying that you can you can gauge people's responses better you know with the <laughs> with a visual thing than you can with a verbal thing I always have said that like you don't ask you don't create a book and ask people to like it you just ask people to try it you can't mm -hmm. control whether or not they like it when you create something visual you're asking them to like it <laughs> you are really saying you're going to you're going to consume it with your eyes and I'm going to watch your face I want to see your response mm -hmm. you don't get that when they're reading the book and they're caught up in it and it takes them 2 weeks and you're not sitting next to them with their response so you're and I, whether or not we like people, <laughs> the, the immediate gratification and the connection that we, our work makes with people on a visual level is rewarding to us in a no, way, in kind of a Pavlovian way. Yeah, that says, well, of course, I'm going to do this more. And the stories, if you only have so much room in your brain for creativity, and I know these are different centers in your brain, but the story part sort of sinks down and waits its turn and says, no, I understand. And that doesn't serve the idea that, wait, I put myself on a schedule for books. And so if this is doodling, but it's actually working in a commercial way, and I want to make it take over, I still have this list of things in my head that I want to get that haunt you. They, they haunt you. When I think of the mm -hmm. things that I wanted to do that I started, that I kind of said, I I'm okay to give them up. They weren't okay to be given up. Like they're they're not. Finished. Well, that's what I want to so, ask. Like so, the way you guys are both talking, like, do you do you see a future where you just stop writing because it's not something that you feel driven to do anymore? <laughs> that future is today. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's I not. can't. I can't see not, it that given, way. Yeah, not you're always going to have to write something. So uh, that's all right. at some point it will come back. And what I what I want it to do, kind of what I've wanted to do since I started digital art is. Um, my first goal with it was I want to pay for the iPad. I want to sell enough art to justify that this was worth, you know, worth purchasing. And I want to learn the craft so that I can do it. And then it was, I want to create storybooks because that's what I've wanted to do since I was getting picture books, not storybooks. People get those. People don't understand when I say storybook. Um, so then it became, okay, well, if I can do this and if this is easier, let me prove that I can. We did that with Anomaly Flats last year and we did it with with um 
Aisha, the first book. So I saw the process and I said, okay, this is it. This is what I've been. So this whole year has been, I want to do those things. And it's so easy to draw something that I like, post it on Instagram, watch for a response and then not create a book. So even when it's turned to art and I did do a lot of uh, commercialization of my art last year, I sold a lot of, you know, what I was doing. It took me away from my own goals for what the art was because then it became, let me prove to myself that I can make money at what I've said I wanted to do. And I've always wanted, I have always wanted to turn it into money. To me, that's just like, that's an important aspect of it. So when I saw that it could actually work that way, a lot of that pressure goes away to say, okay, I've written books. I've published books. I wanted to do that. That's cool. I wanted to do digital art. I'm doing that. I wanted to do um, illustrated books. I've done that. It feels sort of like you can take your foot off the gas just because the achievement has happened. But I have about 45 ideas for illustrated books that are just kind of sitting there that I have to, I'm going to have to turn something off and I'm going to have to say, okay, no more pictures just for Instagram. Do the, if you're doing art, you're doing it for this book. And at that point, when it comes back to that and I fulfill that, I have no doubt that the writing will come back and say, now remember, we are here too. And if you're making a book and you have an hour to spend each week, if that's all you give it, you have an hour a week to, to write, you're going to need to do that too. So I, I fully anticipate it'll swing back in the other direction. But right now, it is just so fun to play with color and play with lines that it's it makes me giddy it, it makes it makes me laugh to just you know kind of do this and that seems to be creatively fulfilling enough to say um i can put i can put books aside i can put novels written books aside um for however long it takes for that to to go away um i didn't really think i'd be able to do that with all the ideas that i have but i seem to be okay i seem to be okay with that i seem i seem to be all right no, I couldn't do it. I can never not not write. Um, I will say, though, you're talking about that immediate, again, that response you get. That's something you don't get from the book. It's it's, it's a few times people have cracked open the book and started reading it at the table to get an idea of what it is. And they start laughing and or they'll come back around. They're like, I had one guy. He um he was there. He was at the con with his daughters and he bought he bought the book and he came back about an hour later. He's like, OK, I'm halfway through the first chapter and I've already laughed out loud and like love it and stuff like that. But it's very rare you get that. If you're trying to especially if you're trying to make someone giggle or smile or laugh, you don't get that through a book. But yeah, like the art people walk up and that's the part I've enjoyed about that the most is the laughs it gets and just the it, people walk up as a family or friends or whatever and they start bickering about who's what or whatever with these these silly animals and all this stuff they just they get it they laugh and there's something very rewarding about that but at the same time i can't i can't not write that's and you said it too it's like you you've always wanted to draw picture books or storybooks that's what you've always wanted to do like i've always wanted to write so i think it's um i kind of fell into this one a little sideways with the drawing but the the writing is definitely what i've what I've always wanted to do, and I don't think I can I can give that up. Well, that's where I am too, Ben. Like I've always wanted to write, so I think about you know how you two are <clears throat> are so good at uh, illustration and, and and monetizing that, which is amazing. I think um, you know in some ways it's like part of that is a really satisfying way for you to hit what other people are looking for, and then the writing part is 
the, you know, in some ways less satisfying, certainly more drawn out ways of satisfying what you were looking for. And in that sense, mm-hmm. it's kind of a nice balance to be able to do both of those things and to get that kind of that short gratification while you also, you know, do the thing you want to do, hone your your writing craft and, 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 and you know, eventually sell books to people who are interested in the brand that you've built based on what you're selling. And I think that's, uh, well, that's really the nice. marketplace you're out into too. Again, that was, it was an immediate, um, it was a, it was a need of the, the convention space, right. Of the Comic-Con space. Like I needed something else there. So that was the problem is now it's like, um, and it's been great. We've only really been doing the full, um, the full animal thing for like the last couple months we've had maybe 20 animals out there and um it's been it's just been a wonderful response and so much fun now the problem is you start looking around going what else can we do and i'm pretty sure i could make a fortune selling gas masks at comic cons <laughs> i've got one on the table for just my just a prop for the duck and cover series yeah and I could sell 10 a weekend at least at like 80 bucks a pop. I'm like, so crazy. I'm sure I like paid like 30 for it on Amazon. I need to start stocking those. Just a few behind the <laughs> table maybe. So when I was like, sure, I've got them. But there's a, you start looking and unfortunately, like, and I've, always, I've got a background in marketing, a background in advertising. So you start looking for those marketing opportunities. And you're like, what? Maybe like I noticed that the art, can, um, there was an outdoor, the, the art beer festival, wine festival was an outdoor thing. And the guy doing the best was the guy selling iced tea. Like he had, he had the longest line at the whole place. <laughs> like we need to sell tea. Why aren't we selling tea? Everyone should be selling tea. So yeah, and that's I uh, think that one. that really challenging tension between marketing and craft is something that we there's a lot of space for us to explore that here on this podcast. I think because that's something we mm. all deal with constantly. Um, the idea, you know, what do I write for me? What do I write for other people? What do I create for me? What do I create to sell? Uh, it, you know, it's that's the indie author's constant dilemma. Um, there's a lot of a lot of space to explore that. That may be what makes me so lazy uh, for the writing <laughs> now. Is I know what the stories are in my head. Like I've I've heard me tell the stories. If I want the stories for myself, I've got them in my head. I don't need to share them with the world. And so it's easy for me to shut it off and say, Selfish. oh, focus on this other thing. I already know. So, I know. <laughs> well, you know what these things are. <laughs> that notion of like, that's interesting, though. I think uh, we're, you know, we're, we're running, we're running along in this episode. We're going to have to close this off. But I think that that's like a, that's a whole episode, Luna. Like the idea of why do we write? Like what, what is for us and what is for other people? And where do we cross those lines of the things that we write being for us? Yes. And also for other people to kind of give feedback and enjoy or whatever. I, I, that's, that's a whole episode for sure. Okay. That'll <laughs> so be that's, episode. So that's my subject. So you for do the this episode. I'm done. Uh, good. Well, done. <laughs> um, well, this was so interesting it, and it went in so many directions that I, I wasn't quite expecting. So thank you both. This was great. I, I, and you know, Luna, yeah, fun. Um, I, we're still looking forward to the Juneteenth, the Aisha story. I, it's going to be amazing. Um, thank you. Ben, all the things you're working on, it's just overwhelming. And I'm so envious. And so it's amazing that you are, you're dedicating all that time. And you're really inspirational to me to dedicate my time to like the literal one project I just have to finish. What was that date again? August 15th. August 15th, August 15th, August 15th. 15th. Now that we say it back to me, it feels, it feels too soon. So I, 
but I'm gonna I'm gonna it's work on it. But whole maybe three, like November thirtieth. But wow. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work How on August fifteenth. Is gonna be my working date. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do it. Are you gonna remember that date as soon as we shut this off, or are you gonna forget? It's up here. About it's up in the that. brain space. So no. So no. We're not gonna remember. <laughs> I told so, Melissa the, right. the the short story is gonna be done Friday. That's my that's the goal I've set. Nice. I set that Someone's I set that seven eight Fridays <laughs> ago. All right. Scrolled right on by it. Okay. okay. <laughs> Just keep saying Friday, and at some yeah, point Friday. it will be it's, done on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be done by Friday or before Friday. <laughs> you pick a Friday, whatever Friday you want. It'll be. Well, thank you both. Uh, a great conversation as always. Thank you, and um, you know, do it again next time. All right. Yeah. See you. Uh, thanks, guys. It was really enthusiastic. All right, Luna, and I loved it. Bye. It was. Thank you so much for listening to A Billion Bad Ideas. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, please consider supporting us. We don't we don't have ads. We don't want to do that. Uh, so we rely on your support uh, if it is meaningful to you. So if it is, you can go to abillionbadideas.substack.com and you can uh, subscribe for a monthly fee of $6 a month. You get access to, obviously, the podcast that you're listening to right now for free, which I know is not like a great deal. But you also get... Um, some extra episodes of the podcast that that free subscribers don't get. And uh, you also get access to our entire library of potential stories and, and, and muck-ups and things we've abandoned and things we're working on. All of that um, we put out with outlines and drafts and, and chapters and short stories. We put it all on our Substack so that you can you can read them uh, and you can read them all if you are a paid subscriber for just $6 a month, which is, at this point, it's like half a cup of coffee. I don't know, inflation is just wild. But please consider it. Thank you so much in advance. Um, I hope you're enjoying the show. Thank you for listening. 